Good afternoon, and I want to welcome you to another um, live edition of the uh, Trumpet Series Bible Study Broadcast. This is your host, Brother Nick Bailey, coming to you live on this um, last day of November, November the uh, 30th. 2021. I do believe it's Tuesday, the last time I checked. But uh, again, appreciate you uh, tuning in today. And um, uh, again, uh, thankful that we're actually able to uh, do the broadcast. This is the first time in several days that we've actually been able to do it closer to when uh, the more desirable time is. Anyway, Praise God today. I'm thankful for uh, the goodness of God. I'm thankful for His love. Thankful for the opportunity we have just to have another day to live for God and to serve Him. I want to sing a song uh, this afternoon that goes right along with uh, today's uh, Bible study. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I'm a child of the King. Amen. Good job. 
Praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the King. And if you're not God's child, you can be. And it's as simple as receiving Him and placing your faith in the finished work of His darling Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. He came into His own, and His own received Him not, but to as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Amen. Praise God. I better go back and uh, readjust the camera. Uh, but at least I didn't leave my notes downstairs on my desk in my office like I did last night. And uh, you just never know what's going to happen, that's for sure. But... Uh, Hallelujah, I'm thankful today that I know that I know that I'm a child of the King. So again, uh, welcome today to uh, this uh, Tuesday, the last day of November. We're getting ready to enter into December. The Christmas season is in full swing, and some of you are a whole lot more excited about that than I am. Don't get me wrong, I'm trying not to be nearly as much of a Scrooge as I used to be. And uh, again, I don't know why it is, probably because over the first few years of my pastoral ministry, the Christmas holidays were far and away the busiest time of the year for me and my family as we were trying to cram way too many things into such a small amount of time. Christmas shopping way down at the bottom of the list. And a lot of times we weren't even able to, to think about or start uh, our Christmas shopping into the last few days right before uh, Christmas Day, and that is no fun at all, and I'm sure many of you know what I'm talking about there. But again, I'll never forget how that the pressures and the stress just to get it all done weighed so heavily on me that the closer we got to Christmas, it really did borderline on an attitude of misery to the point to where it just uh, had a very negative effect on myself and especially on my family. But over the last few years, we really have tried to just kind of dial it down a little bit and not try to jam so many things into such a small um, window of time. And as a result, I'm slowly starting to at least try and make an attempt to enjoy what really should be the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, amen. And by the way, I do want to remind you, Jesus is the reason for the season. It's not about all these other things. Um, um, the commercialism, Santa Claus and... Rudolph and Frosty and all these things that we like to make uh, the focus of our attention uh, during the Christmas season. I'm thankful that uh, uh, the greatest gift of all that uh, came is Jesus Christ. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, uh, the Prince of Peace, and the Everlasting Father, and I'm thankful for that. That's my soapbox sermon for the day. Uh, amen. As we uh, do try our best, and who knows, we may even throw in a Christmas song um, into the equation uh, throughout uh, these uh, Trumpet Series Bible Study broadcasts. But uh, 
By way of announcements, I do want to remind you about the Calls Winter Youth Conference that is scheduled for December the 27th through the 30th at the Venture of Faith uh, Youth Camp located in Lake Park, Georgia. Again, Brother Greg Lentz um, that uh, does direct uh, the choir and the music for all of uh, Dr. Ralph Sexton's uh, Junior's Crusades, uh, Revival Tent Crusades, and also he has been the director of Hearts for Hands Ministry that is based out of the Asheville area for many years. But Brother Greg Lentz, he's the director uh, of the Calls Ministry as he's doing his best to try and reach another generation of young people for Jesus. And again, uh, uh, in between the Christmas and New Year holiday, December the 27th through the 30th, there's going to be a youth camp, a winter youth camp, a winter youth conference. Um, that, And I can't think of a better time to have a youth conference than in between the Christmas and New Year holiday while the kids are all out of school. So if you are looking for a youth conference for your youth group, if you're a pastor or a youth director and you're looking for your young people to attend a good youth conference so in between the Christmas and New Year holiday, I would encourage you to consider uh, uh, taking them to the Venture of Faith camp. Uh, again, the Calls Ministry, uh, Brother Greg Lentz. Brother Greg Lentz will be preaching. Dr. Joe Arthur, Dr. Chris Hayslip and evangelist John Burt, as well as Heath Williams, will be preaching those services. Also, I don't, wanna, don't want you to forget, and we're going to be announcing this uh, continuously over the next month or so, the first ever Voice of Hope crusade that's going to occur on Saturday, January 29th, 5 o'clock p.m. at the Convention Center in Gatlinburg. Again, the first ever Voice of Hope crusade. A one-day event, Saturday, January 29th, 5 o'clock p.m., uh, Brother D.R. Harrison, the entire Voice of Hope team. Uh, Brother D.R., Pastor Greg Locke, Dr. Kevin Jessup. They will be the featured speakers for that event. The Browders, the Neelands of the Day, and the Wilmington Celebration Choir will be providing the music uh, for that uh, uh, activity. Then I think I mentioned this during last Saturday, last night's broadcast, excuse me, but a week from this upcoming Saturday night on December the 10th, again, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday, December the 10th, at the Preaching Christ Church in Kingsport, Tennessee. I like that name, don't you? The Preaching Christ Church. Kingsport, Tennessee, the, the renowned Browder family will be having their Christmas tour concert in their hometown of Kingsport, Tennessee, 7 o'clock p.m. Again, that's the Browders live and in concert if you're looking for some good Christmas music, some good Southern gospel uh, with, a, with a good Southern gospel uh, flair to it, uh, why don't you come out and uh, attend the Browders uh, Christmas tour concert. Again, that is at the Preaching Christ Church located in Kingsport, 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, again, um, it's not a ticketed event, but we'd love to have you there at that being. We're going to do our best to take a van load uh, of people up to Kingsport and attend that concert. Amen. Those are just a few announcements by way of prayer request today. Continue to remember my dear friends, Brother Roger and Miss Linda Stockton, as they're both sick. Roger's been in the hospital. Again, a pastor and pastor's wife at Greystone Free Will Baptist Church here in uh, Greene County, Tennessee. Remember the Stockton uh, family. Also remember the Ward family as they're grieving the loss of dear Brother Oscar that uh, recently went home to be with Jesus. We preached... Uh, we're so blessed to preach the funeral services on Saturday night, and we held the graveside service this past Sunday. One 
uh, person uh, professed faith in Jesus. So praise God for that. Continue to remember uh, Cheryl Filing. As she's, uh, uh, she's got a, a pretty significant uh, eye appointment down in Nashville. Uh, remember Miss Cheryl Filing. Pray for Brenda Roberts, her husband, uh, recently diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Remember uh, one of our church members here at United, Gary Gridley, as well as Bob Price. Pray for a, a man by the name of Burt Ward and then also Jimmy Seaton. Remember these uh, men in prayer. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get right into today's Trumpet Series Bible Study broadcast. Father in heaven, we love you today. We thank you, God, for just another chance we have, God. If, as a look out uh, the door of, of our auditorium today, what a beautiful sun, sunny day you've given to us. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, today as we open up uh, the pages of Scripture, God, and uh, continue to do our best to faithfully declare, thus saith the Lord, preaching and teaching the entire whole counsel of God. Lord, I pray that, your, that the uh, fullness of your favor and blessings would be upon this time. And God, I pray that you'd give us an audience, Lord, the exact people that you uh, would have to view and listen to uh, uh, this Bible study uh, uh, program. God, I pray, uh, God, that you would continue to enlarge our coast here at the Trumpet Series. God, help us to continue to stay faithfully committed to the process and uh, trust you to provide the results, God. And Lord, if nobody else uh, tunes in, uh, Father, Lord, I'm just having myself a time as I study and preach and teach the Word of God. Lord, I pray that your word would uh, find good ground, bear an abundance of fruit in our lives. Help me to preach it, Lord, not through the arm of the flesh, but through the strength and anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Give me an unction today uh, to deliver these truths that you have uh, made available in my heart and life. And Lord, I pray that your word would not return void and get the job done, that we would be uh, faithful uh, doers of the work also and not... Uh, forgetful hearers only, that your word might be a lamp in our feet and a light in our paths. We'd hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against thee. Honor your word, exalt your son through your humble servant. We're going to praise you in advance for who you are and what you do, Lord, if there might be one amongst us today that's lost. And God, I pray that um, God, you'd impart faith to them as they hear the word of God. Convict them by the Holy Spirit. Draw them unto yourself and save them before it's eternally too late. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, yesterday or last night, not even been 24 hours since our last broadcast, we introduced this new section in our study of the book of Romans uh, by examining uh, verse number 1 of chapter number 5 where uh, the Apostle Paul begins writing about the blessings and the benefits of our newfound position in Christ. Now that we... Uh, uh, who are saved, uh, have been justified. Again, that is the theme, uh, especially chapter number 3 uh, of the book of Romans, is justification by faith. And then in chapter number 4, the apostle uses Abraham as the greatest of all illustrations that's found in the Bible uh, concerning what it means to be justified by faith. I mentioned to you how that chapter 5 can pretty much be divided into two sections, verse number 1 through 11, that speaks concerning the blessings and the benefits of justification. Again, I got this outline by way of Warren Wiersbe's uh, Bible commentary. The blessings and benefits of our justification, 
chapter number 5, verses 1 through 11. But then in verses 12 through 21, the Apostle Paul writes to us regarding the basis of our justification, the basis and the foundation of our justification. Again, the blessings, verse 1 through 11, but then the basis or the foundation of justification, verses 12 through 21. Again, in verse number 1 through 7, Paul provides, excuse me, verses 1 through 11, Paul provides us with what I personally consider to be seven distinct blessings and benefits that you and I who are saved and know what it is to be justified and to, and to be declared righteous by God, we have in our possession as a result of the fact that we have been declared righteous. Amen. And if God says you're righteous, you're righteous, regardless of what kind of evidence the old devil, the accuser of the brethren, has stacked against you. Uh, amen. God said, case dismissed, and that is the final uh, verdict that's been reached, not guilty. Amen. And we said that the first uh, of these blessings and benefits of our justification that is recorded here in chapter number 5 of the book of Romans, according to verse 1, Paul wrote, therefore being justified by faith. In other words, as a result of what Paul had been writing beforehand uh, within the context of what he had written in chapter number 4 regarding Abraham, who knew what it was to be justified by faith, therefore being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday's study, we made a distinction between what it means to know and experience the peace of God in our hearts and souls. Uh, Paul described it as a peace which passes all understanding. And if you're, not, if you're saved, you know what it is to experience that peace of God in your life, that tranquility, amen, that, that feeling of serenity uh, that exists in your life, that peace of God which passes all understanding. Amen. But there's a difference between that kind of peace, the peace of God, knowing the peace of God in our hearts and souls, versus what it is to have made peace with God and to be reconciled unto the Father by His Son, Jesus Christ. Again, I said that before you can know the peace of God, you must first make peace with God. And whereas the peace of God refers to a temporary attitude or an emotional state that we may uh, currently be in, having made peace with God speaks concerning the permanent standing, a state, uh, the peace of God is a state. Having made peace with God uh, refers to the permanent standing. We who are saved and have access to now that we have been justified and declared righteous by the Lord. Amen. And in order for me to know the peace of God, to be, in the, to, to be in the right state of mind, mentally and emotionally, uh, I must first know what it is to have made peace with God, have the right and the correct standing before God, to know that my life uh, has been found please, pleasing and, and acceptable unto God, and that I have been accepted by Him and in His sight. But today I'd like for us to move forward uh, by at least considering one, maybe even uh, actually, we'll probably consider two more uh, that are found here in verse number 2 of uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter number 5. We who are saved have received are in possession of now. These blessings now that we have been justified and declared righteous in God's sight. Now there's an invitation, verse number 2, by whom also we have access by faith. Not only have we made peace with God, 
But another benefit and blessing of our justification is that we who are saved also have a newfound access by faith. And again, it's by faith. It's by faith. It's all by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh unto the Lord must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Again, a consequence of our justification not only is that we have uh, that peace has been made between ourselves and our Creator, but as a result of and because of the peace that has been made and because of the reconciliation that has uh, occurred between ourselves and the one uh, who we were previously at odds with, now that the white flag of surrender has been waved, the treaty has been signed and uh, terms have been reached and a truce agreement, uh, amen, has been agreed to. Also, that middle wall of partition that stood between us and the Lord has been broken down. The veil in the temple has been rent, torn in two, providing we who are saved and those of us who have been justified with free and never-ending access to the presence of our Creator. Whereas before, because we were at odds with the Lord and because there was a difference and an enmity that existed between ourselves and the God of heaven, our access to God's presence and to heaven's high court was restricted and was considered to be off limits for those of us sinners who at that time were considered to be the enemies of the Lord. I want to say right now that I'm not going to let an enemy of mine come into my house and partake of the food in my refrigerator and my cabinet. Amen. Those benefits and blessings are reserved at the most to my friends and then uh, my intimate family. Amen. Uh, we're going to restrict uh, who is able to access the blessings uh, of our household. Uh, our enemies, uh, again, are not welcome within the confines and the restrictions of our household, and such is the case in heaven's high court. But thanks to our justification, and now that the odds and the differences that stood between us and our Creator have been reconciled and done away with. That door has been opened, the path has been cleared, and the road has been paved for we who are saved to have direct access right into the very throne room of God. That's why in Hebrews 4 verse 16, Paul wrote this, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And whereas before the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, God's people were strictly forbidden to enter into the Holy of Holies, which were considered to be off limits because of the sin that stood between themselves and the Holy God, that enmity, that discrepancy, those, that irreconcilable difference between, that stood between us and our Creator. Amen. That was that middle wall of sin, that veil of sin. But now that wall has been broken down. That enmity has been removed. Those difference, that difference has been taken out of the way. The wall's been broken down. The veil's been written, rent from the top of the bottom. And, and as a result, we who are saved, we who have been justified, those of us who have been declared righteous in the sight of, uh, of a holy God, we uh, have access into the very presence of God. Uh, we can walk boldly and confidently right up into heaven's throne room. Amen. Why? Because 
God, uh, the one who is not only our God, but is now our Heavenly Father, sees us as being holy and righteous in His sight. There is no difference between us. There is no enmity between uh, there, there, there are, we're not at odds with Him. We're no longer an enemy of His, but, we, but the white flag of surrender has been uh, waved. Terms have been reached. An agreement has been made. We have agreed to God's terms. We've been reconciled. And it kind of reminds me of the Bible story of Esther that is recorded in the Old Testament. And how that when Esther approached the king in order to intercede on behalf of the Jewish people, who were in danger. You remember the story of Esther and Mordecai. Amen. And Mordecai, her uncle, encouraged her and, and, and told her, said that the Lord hath brought you unto the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. And even though it was taboo and it was abnormal and unusual for Esther uh, to walk into the, to the, the throne room of the king, even though he was her husband, yet still... Uh, access to the throne room of the king was restricted uh, and was limited uh, to a time in which she was invited to come in. And she had to do so very carefully and cautiously because it was a strange thing for her to enter into the throne room of the king without an invitation, even though she was technically married to him. But yet, for you and I who have been justified and declared righteous in the sight of a holy God, we don't have to approach the throne room of heaven in a timid manner because we are afraid of being rejected because we're unworthy and access to the king has been restricted and declared off limits because God sees us an enemy rather than a friend or a family member, amen. But instead we can walk boldly and confidently right into the very presence of our great King. Because again, the veil has been rent, the wall's been broken down, giving we who are saved permanent, unlimited, and uninterrupted access to the throne room of our Heavenly Father who is just waiting to hear our petitions, answer our requests, and meet our needs as we bring them before His throne in heaven. I want to remind you of a scripture, a parable that Jesus mentioned Luke 11, 9 through 13, Jesus said, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Aren't you thankful tonight uh, that we who are saved, we who have been justified, and we who have been declared righteous, have a heavenly Father that just loves to lavish his children with those things in life that they need and are willing to? to ask Him for. I want to remind you today that in order to receive those things we stand in need of, we must be willing to ask our Heavenly Father for them. Many times I'm afraid that the main reason why we miss out on those things we need is because, as the Bible tells us in James 4, 2, and 3, ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lust. 
But regardless, aren't you thankful that as a result of our justification, we who are saved and have been declared righteous have been given a newfound access under the throne of our Heavenly Father so that we may ask and receive those things we stand in need of. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for access. I've been by faith. Amen. Uh, when I pray and when, my, when I bow my head and bow down on my knee uh, in prayer, I have faith uh, to ask my Heavenly Father regarding the petitions and the requests that I make to Him concerning those things that I stand in need of, believing and knowing and having confidence in the fact that He will meet my need, hear my prayer, and answer my petition according to, to His will and how He knows what's best for my life. Now there's an introduction. Verse number 2, Into this grace. Here we find how that our newfound position and standing we have as justified believers in Jesus Christ provides us with an entrance and an introdu introduction into the unlimited reservoir of grace that's been made available to us by way of our justification. So let me just ask you today, are you not thankful for the newfound access that you have been given into the unlimited supply and the reservoir of grace that's been made available to your life now that you're saved and now that you have been justified and declared righteous uh, by the Lord. I'm talking about those exceeding riches of grace Paul writes about in the book of Ephesians. Chapter number 2, verses uh, 6 and 7, Paul describes... Now that we, are a saved, we who are saved have already been raised up together to sit in heavenly places with the Lord. Uh, amen. We mentioned that um, a week or so ago, talking about Abraham. By faith, he saw those things uh, uh, as if they were already done. Amen. And that's what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen as yet. Just because we haven't seen them doesn't mean that they don't exist because in the eyes of a holy God, it's as if they're already there. And it's as if God's already freely given and bestowed them upon us, given them to us. But yet for you and I who have been justified, amen, praise God, we're already seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the ages to come, God might show the exceeding riches of His grace and kindness towards us by Christ Jesus. So I want you to picture this, a banquet table. Um, a couple of Saturday nights ago, the Ark Ministries had a banquet. We had multiple tables. Amen. But think about a banquet table where just like old Mephibosheth in the Old Testament, God sent that heavenly Zeba down to Lodabar. Brought us up out of Lodabar, that place where there was no bread, where we were starving to death as a good-for-nothing, crippled, old, dirty dog that we were. And that's a perfect description uh, regarding our former state before we get saved and before we got born again. We're living and dwelling uh, down in the dumps, uh, down in the ghetto at Lodabar, that place where the, the slums, so to speak, were crippled. As an old dirty dog, a place where we're starving to death because there's no bread. But hallelujah, God sent that heavenly Zeba, the Holy Spirit, to Lodabar. Down to Lodabar, pick us up, bring us up out of Lodabar and carry us all the way back home to the palace. Amen. 
where King David has prepared a place for us where we can pull ourselves up to the banquet table in heaven and feast uh, as one of the king's sons. Amen. Amen. It all has to do whether or not you have access into, uh, to the throne room, to heaven's banquet table. Amen. It depends upon your identity. It depends on how, uh, the, the, how the doorkeeper sees you. Uh, amen. Whether or not he sees you as an enemy or whether he sees you a friend or a foe or even a family member. And from the day Zeba brings us out uh, of the far country, amen, and brings us uh, uh, up to the king's house and sits us at the king's table, from now throughout all eternity, our heavenly king's going to make it a priority every single day to fatten us up. And lavish with the riches, the wealth, the, and the excess, and the abundance that goes along with being one of the king's sons. I'm thankful that our God is a God of excess. Our God is a God of abundance. I'm not giving you a prosperity gospel. I'm just thankful for the exceeding eternal riches of His grace. One thing you don't have to worry about today, friend, is your heavenly Father running out of grace to feed you and take care of you and to supply every need that exists in your life. Amen. If, you're, if you've been brought uh, out of Lodabar, you was a dirt, dirty dog, you was a foe, but now you've been made a friend. Uh, and you've been adopted and birthed into the, into the king's family. You're a child of the king, as we sung about earlier. You've been brought up out of Lodabar, and you've been taken up to the palace, and you're sitting at the king's table. You don't have to worry about going hungry or starving to death like you were back down in Lodabar. Amen, that's what a lot of uh, Christians are doing today. Amen, they live far below their position and their place uh, at the table that's been set before them because they're uh, now one of the king's sons. But for many of God's people, they're living, they're acting as though and living as if they're still down a, uh, in Lodabar, that place where there's no bread. Why would you live at a place where there's no bread? Why would you be at Lodabar when you could be feasting on the riches of God's grace as one of the king's kids at the, uh, at the palace, sitting at the, the table of the king? King of kings and Lord of lords, hallelujah. Your king's wealthy and he is sure to always have an excess and an abundance and an oversupply of grace and wealth to lavish and pour out on your life. I think about Ruth and Naomi. And when Naomi told Ruth, you, you need to stay with your own people. You need to go back to Moab where you belong. And Ruth told her mother-in-law, she said, Whether thou goest, I will go. Whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God shall be my God. She went with Naomi. And as a result, one day she was introduced to a man named Boaz who was attracted to her, that old Moabite uh, Gentile, that old dirty dog Gentile who wasn't fit for nothing, Boaz fell in love with her. Amen. And, and she took her out of the harvest field and, and she, he, he brought her uh, unto his own house and instead of uh, feasting on, uh, eating after and surviving on, uh, living on the leftovers, Boaz changed her diet and he gave Ruth and Naomi those handfuls on purpose of grace. I'm talking about the best grain that's, that's uh, reserved for the members of uh, the king's household. Amen. I'm thankful that uh, God won't sell his, his own short. 
He'll make sure there's a, an unlimited supply of grace to take care of us and to make sure we don't go hungry. And now that we live at the palace and we have a reserved place at the banquet table, we don't have to worry about being treated like an old dirty dog anymore. But instead, we're going to be spoiled to death because we're seen and viewed as being one of the king's sons. Do you know God gets a kick out of taking care of His own? Amen. God, uh, amen, one of the great thrills and joys uh, of, of our God's existence is to... Is to uh, take care of and to supply and to meet the needs of His own children. Amen. I want to remind you today, friend, that our Father is rich. With houses and lands, He holdeth the wealth of the world in His hands. Of rubies and diamonds, of silver and gold, His coffers are full with great riches untold. I'm a child of the King, a child of the King with Jesus my Savior. I'm a child of the King. His coffers are full. His storehouses are never empty. And the cattle on a thousand hills, they all belong to Him. That's why He's promised us that His grace will always be sufficient. Why? Because we don't ever have to worry about the Lord running out of wealth or resources to be able to take care of the needs of His children. Now there's a position. Why is this available to us? And why do we have access? Uh, amen. Uh, you know, why... Uh, are all of these blessings and resources and benefits, uh, the, the, the blessings of God's grace, uh, the exceeding abundant wealth of God's riches, how have they been made available to us? It's through our position. Verse 2, wherein we stand. Here the emphasis upon the newfound position and the permanent standing we have rather than our temporary state of being now that we have been justified. And I don't know about anybody else, but I'm so glad to know that my newfound position in Christ, because I have been justified and because I've been declared righteous, is not a temporary state, but it is a permanent standing. My state of mind may change, but my standing as a child of God will never change. And because of that, I don't have to worry about it existing or being there for just a little while. But praise God for the fact that because grace is the permanent position I've been given access to through my justification, I know that it will never end, but it will last forever. Did you know it's the great responsibility of the king to make sure that his youngins are fed, supplied, and taken care of? You better believe that uh, it's, a, it's big business. It's a high priority on God's list to make sure that every one of your needs are taken care of. Aren't you thankful for the fact that we're standing in a position of grace rather than standing in under the law? Praise God. And the reason we're standing in grace if we're saved uh, is because we have been justified and declared righteous by a holy God. And because of it and as a result of that fact... Because the white flag of surrender has been waved uh, and because the terms have been reached and the treaty between us and God has been signed, an armistice has been reached, the wall has been broken down, the veil of the temple has been rent, the enmity has been removed, which has in turn opened up a way for you and I who are saved to have a permanent, never-ending access to the very throne room and banquet table of heaven where we can boldly and confidently come on in anytime we so choose, take our place and sit down at the table at Daddy's house, 
as one of the king's son and lavish and spoil ourselves and all the blessings and benefits of grace all because we're a part of the family and God sees us as one of the king's kids. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Just like uh, at, at mom and dad's house. I've been out of the house for many years. Uh, uh, amen. Over 20 years that, that it's been since I moved out, left home and got married. But you know to this very day I have confidence. Uh, you know the doubt never entered, the thought never enters into my mind. That this very day I could walk into mom and daddy's house anytime I want to. I've got a key. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know how to get in, get through the door and get into, into mom and daddy's house. If I'm hungry, if I'm cold, amen, if I'm tired, if I need a place to lay my head down, if I need uh, uh, some clothes to put on, if I need some food to eat, if I need a, a place to take a shower and to get cleaned up, whatever it is I need, I know that I uh, have uh, free access to walk right through the door boldly and confidently into mom and daddy's house. And I've got access there uh, to any and everything that my mom and dad has. Why? Because I'm one of their kids. I'm not a foe. I'm not even just a friend. But I'm a part of the family. I'm one of daddy's son. So there always will be a place at mom and dad's table for me. And friend, I want to say to you that from now until the very day I die, Amen. The, uh, until the very day God calls me to heaven, there's going to be a place at the, at the king's table. For we who are saved, we who have been delivered, we who have been declared righteous in the sight of a holy God. And it's all because of our standing, the way God views us and sees us, just as if we've never sinned, just as if we've been made righteous, not because of anything we've done, but because of everything Jesus Christ has done for us. Now there's an expectation, verse number 2. I do want to get a little further today. Uh, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is the third benefit. The third newfound blessing that God has freely and graciously bestowed upon those who have been justified and declared righteous in the sight of a holy God. And that is not only have we made peace with God and we've been given access into His grace, wherein we stand, but we also rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And notice how that in these three specific blessings, all three tenses of our existence as human beings are covered, whether it be our past, our present, or our future state. Concerning our past, it was taken care of because peace has been made between ourselves and the one we had odds with and the one with which enmity stood between us and Him. Those irreconcilable differences have been removed. The wall's been broken down. The veil's been rent. And as it relates to our past sins, amen, our past has been taken care of because peace has been made between ourselves and a holy God. Regarding our present, it's been covered in the fact that we who are justified have now been given in permanent and never-ending access to the eternal riches of God's grace, wherein we now and forever will stand. Until God calls me home to heaven, I've got access uh, to walk right into the door of Daddy's house and get anything I need to make sure my needs are supplied and taken care of. But when it comes to our future, what a blessing it is to know that it has also been taken care of in a future sense through the ability we who are justified now have to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. 
So again, whether it be our past, our present, or our future, it's all been taken care of by the special benefits and blessings we who are saved now possess as a result of our justification. You say, but preacher, what just exactly does Paul mean in verse 2 when he talks about how that we who are justified are now able to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God? Well, I believe the key word here is rejoice, which is actually used two more times in the chapter. First in verse 3, the English word is glory. Uh, and then again in verse number 11, the English word is joy. But in all three of these instances, the same Greek word that is translated into these three different English words actually means to boast or to brag about something. Three different English words, but the same Greek word that means to boast or to brag about something. What do you and I have to boast about and brag about as Christians? Well, nothing about us or ourselves, but it's all about what Jesus either has done or will one day do for us. Now, I'm talking about... Uh, our righteous standing and state that one day we shall be glorified. Verse number 2, that which you and I have to boast or brag about because of and now that we have been justified is what the Bible refers to as the hope we have of the glory of God. We might refer to it as the hope we who, we who have been justified and are currently being sanctified will also one day be glorified. And we will be so blessed and privileged to share in the glory of God. So if there's anything that we who are saved have to boast or brag about as saved Christians, we have been justified and we've been declared righteous by the high court of heaven. It's the fact that even though we're not out absolutely and totally righteous right now in our current sinful state and form, one day... Through our future glorification, we will be made totally, perfectly, and absolutely righteous when we stand in God's presence and when we stand before God's throne. And as one of my favorite preachers used to say, although I'm not always what I should be, at least I'm not what I used to be, and most of all, hallelujah, I'm not what I'm going to be. Amen. Uh, 1 John 3, 1 through 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. I'm not waiting to be a child of the King, but God has already birthed me into His family. Amen. I've got a birth certificate. Amen. I've got a new name written down in the Lamb's book of life, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is already pure. In God's eyes, He sees you as if you're already purified. Amen. You're already righteous. You're already glorified. You're already seated together in heavenly places by Christ Jesus. That's how God sees and views your life. Amen. Uh, outside the realm and the bounds of time. Amen. But every man that hath this hope that one of these days I'm going to be like him. God sees me as if I'm already like him. But one day, practically speaking, positionally speaking, it's as if I'm already there. It's, it's as if I am already righteous. That's the way God views me. No reason for me to, to, to feel guilty over my past sins. Amen. But every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. 
even as he in God's sight is already pure. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, for our conversation or our citizenship is in heaven. I'm not a citizen of this earth, amen, but spiritually I've already changed addresses. Uh, amen. Not, uh, and by the way, I've not just got a passport, amen. But I am a permanent resident of another country, a heavenly country. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you are looking for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ today? Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. I'm talking about a change, amen. Job 14, 14, If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait until my change come. I'm looking for a change. Job 19, 25 through 27, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. You see, friend, all of these different passages of Scripture speak regarding a necessary change that must take place in the fleshly and physical bodies of every saved believer who has been justified so that they can be worthy to stand in the presence of a perfect Savior in a perfect place called heaven with a people who have all been made perfect. Friend, you won't go to heaven unless you've been made perfect. And by the way, you ain't perfect and neither am I yet. The cold hard truth of the matter is that right now, even though that we may be saved, we are still not worthy. We are ineligible and we are not good enough to stand in the presence of a 100% perfect and holy God. Amen. If we were to go... To heaven right now, we would be underdressed. We would be out of place. Amen. Because we're not good enough. We're not worthy. We're not perfect. We're not righteous. We're not able to, to meet the standard of entrance into that heavenly place. Positionally, God sees we who have been justified as if we are right, worthy and as if we have already been made righteous by the righteousness of Jesus that has been imputed unto us and applied to our account. Practically speaking, you know as well as I do that none of us are perfect. None of us are actually worthy and we are in many ways the furthest thing in the world from being righteous. Amen. You know, in some days God has to remind me of just how unworthy and just how imperfect and just how unrighteous I am. And friend, if I got what I deserve for the life that I've lived since I've been saved, I'd still split hell wide open. But now as we live and grow closer to the Lord through our daily walk, we become more worthy and more righteous than we were when we first got saved through the progressive work of sanctification that is occurring daily in our Christian walk. But practically speaking, none of us will actually be worthy 
or righteous until our bodies are changed. Until the curse of sin and the presence of sin is totally and finally removed, which will one day happen and transpire when we are finally glorified. Right now, positionally speaking, the penalty of sin has instantly and immediately been removed by way of justification on the day that the gavel fell and, and the heavenly high court of heaven uh, reached a verdict and declared me innocent instead of being guilty, not guilty, case dismissed just as if I've never sinned. And positionally speaking, I was justified and I was immediately and instantly declared righteous on the authority of the righteousness of Jesus that was imputed unto my account. Progressively speaking, the power of sin is slowly and gradually being removed by way of the process of sanctification that is currently taking place in my life. And the longer I live, the closer I get to God and the more like Jesus I ought to become through sanctification. But in the future and one day, either after I die or at the time of the rapture, whichever comes first, the very presence of sin itself will totally and finally be removed once and for all through the permanent act of glorification that will take place right before I stand in the very presence of God. See, in order for me to be um, able to enter into God's presence and stand before His throne, I've got to be fit for heaven. Right now I'm not fit, I'm saved. I've been declared righteous. God sees me as if I'm fit. God views me as if I am righteous and as if I am already there. But practically speaking and in reality, I am now, right now in my current state, my old Adamic flesh, the old nature, I am not fit. God's got to refit me. He's got to reclothe me. He's got to give me a, a brand new set of clothes. He's got to give me a royal robe. Give me a robe of white a glorified body, a body that is absolutely and free from uh, uh, the consequences and the curse and the very presence of sin itself. You know, some who believe it is possible for a saved, born-again Christian to somehow uh, become lost or forfeit his or her salvation, they like to promote this idea of sinless perfection. Not all of them, but some of them do this. And they use Scripture that generally and vaguely refers to no sin being able to enter into heaven to support and justify their cause. My response to that statement, no sin will enter heaven, is that they're exactly right. No sin will enter heaven. And because of it, the only way that any of us will be able to enter into heaven is for God to totally, absolutely, and completely remove the old Adamic seed of sinful flesh that still currently exists within my heart even though I'm saved and even though I have been justified. You may be saved, but you still have a flesh. You may be justified and God may see you as righteous, but you've still got an old, ugly, Adamic, sinful nature, the old man that still abides and dwells within your heart. Just because God saved you does not mean that God removed the presence of sin in your life. It's still there. Amen. And whether or not you feed uh, the flesh or the spirit, and which whether or not you feed or starve the flesh de depends upon whether the new nature or the old nature has control and dominates your life spiritually as a Christian. Even though God sees me as if I'm righteous, 
And even though He views me as if I've never sinned on the basis of the sinless perfection of the Savior, the one who died and bled and died in my place and for my sins, that doesn't mean that I am either currently or actually sinless. You know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says, 1 John 1, 8, some of you who like to promote this idea of sinless perfection, that the only, the, the only way that you'll get to heaven, you're torturing and tormenting yourself by believing that uh, the only way you'll make it to heaven is by your own uh, good deeds, your own efforts, your own works. Amen. If you die completely and totally and absolutely sinless, without free from and without any sin, you're fooling yourself. Amen. You're deceiving yourself because 1 John 1.8 uh, John wrote it this way, if we say, again, he's writing to Christians, he's writing to people who have been born again, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're, we're fooled. We are, we are deceived. We've been given over to our own demise and our own uh, deception to think that we can somehow make it to heaven by living a life that is absolutely free and apart from any sin. On some days I am quickly reminded of just how tight of a grip uh, the curse of sin and the presence of sin still has in and upon my life. We're going to discuss that very clearly and thoroughly in our study of chapter number 7 of the book of Romans. But praise God for the fact that one of these days I will be free from sin. I will be totally and permanently free from the old Adamic, sinful and fleshly influence that has so greatly plagued my life both before and after I got saved. Sin has uh, served as a thorn in the flesh of my life and your life as well, both before and after you're saved. And as honestly as I know how to say it, being free from the very presence of sin is where my hope lies as much as it does anywhere else. Aren't you looking forward to the day to where you go to a place where there's no more sin? Friend, if I got to heaven and I found even the very uh, least fragment, uh, you know, the, the most finite cell of sin, uh, amen, uh, uh, just a little bit of leaven. You know, if there was even a leaven of sin that uh, was allowed to enter into heaven, it leavened the entire lump. No imperfection in heaven, no sin, nothing that falls short of God's glory, nothing that is lower than the standard, nothing that uh, amen, misses the mark as, as far as God's required level and measure uh, amen, of perfection is concerned. And one day when I get to heaven, sin's going to be removed. If I got to heaven and sin was there, I'd be disappointed. Amen. I, I, that's where my hope is this afternoon, knowing that I'm going to a place one day where there'll be no uh, sin. The curse of sin will be removed and the presence of sin will be no more. Amen. No sickness, no disease, no tragedy, no death. All of these things are a result of sin, the curse of sin. But also, and more importantly, the very presence of sin itself, which has caused all of these bad things, will be removed and will be no more. They will no longer exist. That's my hope is to be free from sin. And that's the hope that Paul boasted in and bragged about as he wrote this chapter. The hope that confidently existed in his heart that caused him to know that one day he would be glorified and would be forever free from sin. Looking for that blessed hope. 
the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. A very large part of that hope is found in the fact that when Christ appears, we who are saved will be totally and finally free from all the damage and trauma sin has caused us and has caused this world. And because of that blessed hope, as the Bible uh, tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, not only the hope of seeing Jesus, but being forever free from sin, we are not, as Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, of all men most miserable. You know one reason this world, the people of this world are, are living in a state of misery? It's because, uh, just like uh, cancer, the toll and the effect that cancer takes upon a, a human body that's being ravaged and being ate up, the flesh of that body is being ate up by the disease of cancer, so also men are miserable today because spiritually speaking their lives are being eat up. Amen. They're plagued. Their lives are plagued by the cancer uh, and the cancerous effects that sin is causing and having, the toll that sin is taking in their lives as human beings. One day, I'm going to be, a be in a place where I am forever free from sin. And all I can say to that is hallelujah, praise the Lord. And that is where my hope lies and rest here this afternoon. I hope you have a wonderful day and God bless. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this opportunity you've given us to have another edition of the Trumpet Series Bible Study Broadcast. I pray and I hope that everything that's been said today would bring honor and glory to thy name. I'm thankful for the blessings of our justification, the fact that we, uh, amen, have made peace with God. Uh, amen. The white flag of surrender has been uh, raised and waved. Terms have been reached. An agreement has been met. Father, I'm thankful that we have access to the Father's house, all the wealth. We can walk through the door boldly and confidently. Regardless of what the need is, it's available to us through the newfound access we have into the riches of grace that exist at the King's palace, at our place at the King's table. But Father, I'm thankful for uh, the fact that I have a hope also, another benefit of my justification is the fact, uh, amen, that one day I'm going to be free from the presence of sin. The, the exceeding riches, uh, amen, uh, I can rejoice in the hope that I have of the glory of God. One of these days I'm going to be like Him. I, I have been justified. I am being sanctified. One of these days I will be glorified and I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to be fit for heaven. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to be accepted. I'm going to not, not only go, am I going to be righteous from a positional point of view, but practically speaking, I will be righteous. I will be perfect. I will be just exactly like Jesus created and intended for me to be. Lord, I pray that this might be a help and a blessing to somebody today, whether it be someone that's saved or lost, that they might give their heart to Jesus and be saved before it's ever too late. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great day. God bless.